Hi, welcome to Conversations with the Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. Today's guest is a very special person in my life, Monique Wheeler. She is my personal acupuncturist and an all-around wonderful very healing person and Monique and I it's great when I see her I see her I think on a monthly basis now you know she and I have been seeing well I've I guess I've been seeing I was gonna say she and I have been seeing each other like we've been dating but I've been seeing her for acupuncture for gosh several years now so it's been fun to kind of catch up on her journey building her business and you know she supported me in building my business so it was fun to kind of bring those things together and just be able to talk about our love for Chinese medicine and energy and spirituality and all of those sorts of fun topics so I hope you enjoy this interview with Monique Wheeler. Hello, Monique. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing well. How are you? I am. Like I told you before we started the recording, I'm feeling overwhelmed today. Yeah. I understand that feeling. Today, I'm not super overwhelmed, but it often happens that I'm overwhelmed. Right. But the sun is shining, so there's that. Right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So... You are my acupuncturist, so I'm going to say that for full disclosure so that we can kind of talk openly about that. But I'd love for you to to share a little bit more about what you do and who you are. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so grateful to be your acupuncturist, and I do love my job. I had been a city planner. Well, I had studied geography in college and ended up going to grad school in geography because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so when I got to college, I just studied what I was interested in, Mm -hmm. which was traveling. And it wasn't, I have people who tease me and say, like, name all the capitals. That is part (laughs) of geography, right? Zimbabwe. That's not, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) And I fail the test all the time. So next time I see you, probably, you know, try to continue to stump me, but it'll just encourage me to learn more or refresh my memory. But really when you study geography in an academic situation or setting, it's kind of like anthropology, but it's also Hmm. uh, the mapped world. You can do maps, but you could do cultural geography, which is what I did. And I looked Hmm. at how people changed the physical nature of places. And I was studying with a woman who studied really fascinating stuff. She studied company towns, which anyway, we could, this is not what this talk is about, but it's going there. It's interesting. But anyway, so I was, it's really interesting stuff. And I thought like, I love city planning. I'm a very spatial person. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to go into academics thinking I would like to be an academic, which was not right for me. I don't like to work alone on a project for a long time, right? Like I'm not, it's not my thing. Yeah. And I learned that quickly, but I got out of school and I did study some mapping, some like computer mapping stuff. And then I got out of school and I started working in a bunch of different jobs doing city planning. And what I learned was while I was interested in the subject, I didn't like actually what I did day to day in front of a computer or a desk, lots of like being sedentary. And then the Mm -hmm. other part of it that was hard was my last job was working for a city government in Alaska. And I dealt with the public, which was fine. But it was a lot of interpreting the law, talking to people about what they could do with their property or couldn't do lots of tension, lots of discord, lots of arguments. And I realized I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what it was. So I started just trying try to figure out, like, how do I like to spend my time? What do I like to do? What do I like to think about? And I realized 
that I liked to read the New York Times articles on health and mm. science. And so that mm. just made me think, okay, maybe I want to be a nurse. So I made a big chart and wrote down all these different things that I thought I might like to do. And then I started interviewing those people. Oh, what do you do so during smart. your day? Well, I figured I had not done the best job the first time around because I picked something I was interested in, but didn't actually want to do that job day to day. You know, like I didn't yeah. know what a geographer did. I thought I did. <laughs> right. But I didn't. And so when I got to be doing that job, it wasn't the right fit for my personality. So that's how I started on my path to acupuncture. I was living in Alaska. I had never had acupuncture before. And a friend of mine who I met there, who's from California, was like, I use acupuncture for my health. And I had a history of upper respiratory infections from childhood. And when I was a child, I was on like a junior swim team. And every year I'd get sick. This is my memory. I want to be mm -hmm. accurate. But I know I got pneumonia as a child because I remember having to hmm. take this really terrible lesson. And then as an adult, I would get sick with a respiratory infection that other people, maybe it would start off as a cold, but it would go right into my lungs. And huh. then a, maybe quickly, maybe slowly, I would end up with like a terrible cough. I would be up at night, you know, not able to control the coughing. And then I'd go to my doctors. They might give me antibiotics, but often they gave me cold medicine, like cough suppressant, hmm. which helped. But I didn't want to get sick in the first place. I right. was getting this thing over and over, and it was just terrible. And my nurse practitioner at the time said, I don't really have anything for you to prevent these conditions. And then my friend from California stepped in and she said, why don't you try acupuncture? And all during that time, I was investigating, I was taking anatomy and physiology, which was a really cool class. We had a cadaver, which was amazing because that's not typical in initial classes. I know it was pretty trippy. And I, I'll tell you the worst thing was the preservative, the smell. Oh, the of that smell. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It was tough to, you know, dissect a human, no doubt. Oof. But it was also an amazing opportunity for me to be able to see the human body and learn more. And really, I don't think what I had been in college, my undergrad, the first undergrad, well, I didn't get another undergrad. But when I initially went to undergraduate, if the class was hard, I kind of didn't want to do it. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is too much time. I would rather go and hang out with my friends, party, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't that interested in organic chemistry and that I never had to take it even for uh, acupuncture. But needless to say, anatomy and physiology is tough. Those are tough classes, even the introductory mm -hmm. ones. But I was more willing to apply myself. It was really interesting. And then I shadowed a physical therapist. I interviewed nurses and I asked them, you know, do you like your job? What kind of day do you have? And I'll be honest, I know a lot of nurses that are happy now, but the ones I talked to all said, don't do this. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then I went on this journey across the United States with my partner. We drove, we did a big loop from Alaska. We put our car on a ferry, drove down the West Coast over to Louisiana, and then back up through Chicago looking oh at different gosh. places to live. I know it was a really cool trip. It was very fun. We went to the Grand Canyon. We went to all these oh. cool places. Yeah, it was awesome. But on the way, I stopped in a bunch of different, they were acupuncture schools and they were massage schools because eventually I just thought like, mm. I'm going to study massage therapy because I don't know what I want to do. And I found the school here in Chicago that I ended up going to called Pacific College of Oriental Medicine. It was really Chicago I fell in love with. I wanted to live mm. here. I don't know. We got here and I was like, this is great. I love this town. So I moved here from Alaska and that was really hard, but 
once I started in the program of massage, of oriental massage at Pacific College, I was also getting acupuncture. Mm -hmm. I realized pretty quickly massage was not right for me. And then I was fascinated with Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So I didn't really think that hard about it. And I was just like, let's do it. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy I did that. If I could speak to myself then, I probably would have given myself a few more tips about things, but, (laughs) you know, no hindsight, right? Really? Yes. Yes, I know. No one wants to do that to their younger self. I'm just kidding. I know, right? Plenty of people do. Well, the theme that I, I often hear with people that I've interviewed thus far is that whatever profession it was that they chose, it it almost chose them rather than them like Mm. exactly going out and being like, I'm going to be a blah. It was just like, yeah, this is just clearly the right thing to do. And I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I, I feel like the first acupuncture treatment I had, my partner, she's my spouse now, but my partner then said to me afterwards, like, wow, you loved that. And I think either she thought to herself you're going to study acupuncture or she might've said it to me. I can't really remember. I should Mm. ask her. Yeah. But I mean, one of the reasons, and I, I really love Chinese medicine because it's very complicated and I think all health care systems are are complicated, but it's got this kind of aura of mystery around it too, because some of it is really hard to explain or it doesn't make sense in our kind of Western mind. And so that, to me, is really interesting. There's a little bit of, like I said, mystery, I suppose, is the best way to say it. Like, I don't know how it works, but I know it does work. Because what Mm -hmm. happened for me is the next time when I did get back to Alaska after this big road trip, I got another cold, which was starting to become a cough. And I went and had acupuncture. And she gave me some herbs, and I had a treatment, and I didn't get that cough. Mm. And I thought, that's awesome. Magic. Okay. so. Magic. I don't, you know, I don't have to go down that road that I've been down so many times. And so for me too, it just, I know what it feels like to get treated. I get acupuncture myself probably two or three times a month, sometimes every week. And I just love what it's done for my body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to work really hard to become an acupuncturist. Going to acupuncture school was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. So I don't know how it picked me. I guess I kind of think like it you know, it could have fallen into my lap and it kind of did, but I, I felt like I did sort of think like I always wanted to study some sort of medicine. Mm -hmm. So I think it was always in my, in the back of my head too, that Mm -hmm. this was something I was interested in. Although when I was younger, I was told it wouldn't be a good job for me, which was weird. So you mean like the health profession or acupuncture specific? I wanted to study medicine when I was in college or I had this one, that was one of the ideas I had. And my mom took me to a kind of a personality aptitude place. And they were like, no, she should be an architect. (laughs) And so I was like, I don't want to be an architect. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, it was kind of strange. And I know it had something to do with, I never get them correct inductive and deductive reasoning, but Mm -hmm. one of the ones that is specific, and I think it's of course probably specific to all medicine, but they said, oh, this isn't the thing she's highest in. She's highest in this other spatial analysis. But the body, Mm -hmm. the acupuncture channels make a map on your body. Right. So it does tie into my interest in space. And yeah, yes, I am glad to have my job. I do love it. It is a hard job, but I can see myself doing it for the rest of my life. Well, and that's, I think, 
that's part of the the goodness of fit about the part of how acupuncture chose you. It's like you you didn't know you were going to be good at that. You wanted to do yeah. it. And now that you're in it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is home. Yes. And that makes sense to me when you put it that way. I guess sometimes I just think about if something is right, it has to be easy. Oh, hell and no. Then- <laughs> <laughs> well, that is well, not... Yeah. But I always think of like, so, I mean, just to use a phrase I've been using lately, because it makes a lot of sense to me, like doing the next right thing. I find that is always the harder thing (laughs) in my life anyway. (laughs) For sure. And I can get caught up in like, well, what's the, what's the right thing to do? Right. Is this right or that right? So Mm -hmm. usually in my mind, I do the next thing that's in front of me and that (laughs) makes a little more sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. you could be right or wrong, but I'm just going to try. And I feel like that's what happened to me with my process of studying acupuncture because I started, you know, I did all these informational interviews with people. I shadowed a PT and I came here thinking, okay, I'm just going to pick massage. And I quickly learned that massage wasn't right for me because massage is an incredibly physical job, Yeah, which you, if you think about it for a minute, that is not a surprise, but it was to me when I was actually doing it. And I mm-hmm. felt like I love to get massages, but giving them, it wasn't complicated enough for me, I think. So, Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure it's complicated for people who that's their correct profession, but it got me to where I needed to be. Right. right. Like I just made the decision like, oh, I'm going to go to massage school. It's going to be at this place that also teaches primarily Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chinese medicine is the thing that I really want to learn. I think I told you this. I'll never forget the first time I got acupuncture, I think was actually at the the Pacific. What is it? Pacific School for Oriental Medicine. Is that what it is? College. Pacific College. College right. of Oriental Medicine maybe of is right. But yeah. Something so- like that. They had like, you could just do like walk-in appointments. So it was mm-hmm. like super cheap and mm-hmm. I had no money at the time. And I remember they did like the crown of my head, basically. Like uh-huh. it was like a crown of thorns, but with the acupuncture needles. <laughs> and yeah. I cried like a child afterwards like it released all the things and I remember telling you oh well that person clearly didn't do it right because I you know I just cried the whole time and then you were like no you needed a release that's what that was for (laughs) and at that time I remember just being so affected by it and I use you and I'm sure like Medical doctors out there are probably going to gasp hearing this, but I really use you as my primary care. When I have a cold, I call you because you've got magic, disgusting herbs. They're great, Mm -hmm. but they taste disgusting, guys, that make the colds go away really quickly. And the Chinese herbs that you've given me for anxiety, speaking of, I have run out. I need my calm dragon. Okay. Like that shit (laughs) is magic. for you. Yeah. Well, you know, many pharmaceuticals are made from plants. So Chinese herbs definitely have pharmaceutical properties. And I am grateful that you trust me with your health for sure. Duh. I, that's the thing that I love to work on, the upper respiratory or any kind of, you know, acute condition because that is, was my first experience with it. And I think that's why I get a lot of people yeah. who want to work on that. But it is great how well Chinese herbs work. And pharmaceuticals work great too. They just have their limitations. And Chinese herbs have their limits limitations as well. Of course. But the one thing that I do love about the herbal medicine is it can build your system up, which in the, you know, kind of Western model, that doesn't happen. I mean, some you know, sometimes people take right. hormones 
or a supplement for a gland, like a thyroid pharmaceutical. But for the most part, Western medicine is great at surgery and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. killing things. <laughs> so bacteria, I, I, that came out wrong. Get the, um, that's hilarious. And all doctors just killed over dead. <laughs> Zap. I love so, it. Yeah. And I do, you know, appreciate, I have a physician, but I also have an acupuncturist and I have an herbalist and I have a chiropractor. Um, I have a like mm-hmm. spiritual worker. I have two therapists. I mean, I use all the tools. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of help from a lot of different places, but my first and primary love is definitely Chinese medicine. It is at this point, for sure. Well, and my very limited understanding of Chinese medicine is, you know, I think, I can't remember if I've read this or someone told me this, but basically a Chinese medicine doctor wouldn't get paid if his patients got Mm -hmm. sick. And so it's all about prevention and, you know, treating the cause rather than the symptom. And often in Western medicine, it it feels, you know, just like you were talking about with your upper respiratory infections, they gave you a cough suppressant, which did the job, but it didn't heal what was actually causing that in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. The next time I got sick, I had to take the same thing, right? Right. I was going to get the thing again. She knew I was going to get it again. I knew I was going to get it again. And I just dreaded it because that cough is terrible. But I think there's more of the shift to supporting the body in Western medicine. You see it with the use of vitamin D or the testing for vitamin D, because sometimes physicians are just like vitamins, who needs them, you know, (laughs) or you're just going to like, unless you're getting rickets, I don't think you need to take one, which is crazy. An old timey disease. I love it. I mean, you know, there's lots of backstory to that. So there, I think it's getting a little bit, I think it's getting more open-minded. And the other place where acupuncture, and this isn't with herbs, is kind of penetrating the the Western mindset, the Western medicine mindset is with all this opioid epidemic and pain. Yeah. Because those doctors can't be writing scripts for so many opioids. I mean, they just can't do it. Like they're constrained. And of course, they don't want their patients to die. So I've had many more people say to me, my doctor recommended I do acupuncture. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Hooray. It it makes me so happy because pain is pretty easy to treat with acupuncture. I don't want to say, you know, 80% of the people who come to me and that have a pain, I I feel pretty confident I can make a significant change to their pain. Mm -hmm. The other 20% are people who maybe who have had it for a longer time or they have a more complex underlying cause or there's other things that can go on. But a lot of times like low back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, hip pain, people respond to acupuncture and cupping those Mm -hmm. kinds of therapies. And we have herbs that help with pain as well and inflammation that aren't habit forming, which is really great. It makes me very happy to be able to help people who are in pain because it, number one, being in pain is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. We all, it's incredibly exhausting and debilitating to the psyche over time as well. And it's not that hard for me to be able to help somebody where I see people will be, you know, seeing their doctor, maybe even doing PT and not getting a lot of relief. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that segues beautifully into how you how you feel about the term healer and mm. especially in application to the work that you do. Sure. Let's see. I thought about that after you told me that 
was going to be one of the potential questions. I feel like I am helping your body heal, but I am not doing the healing. The body is healing. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of opening up the capacity for you to heal and moving energy. I mean, that's what we talk about, especially with something like pain in Chinese medicine is that, mm-hmm. that your energy is blocked, your blood is blocked. There's a stagnation of some kind. And mm-hmm. so what I'm trying to do is, is to get things back into balance by accurately diagnosing where the problem is and putting the needles in the area specifically where the problem is, as well as other parts of your body that communicate with that area. Right. So I, I feel like healer gives me a lot of the responsibility, but for, <laughs> for the actual part of the person healing. And, and of course I do have some responsibility, but I think I don't, you know, it's, I don't put my hands on you and you, you're healed. It's right. a kind of a contract, right? It's sort of like therapy. Like if you go mm-hmm. to therapy, you don't tell your therapist what's really going on in your life. Can your therapist heal you? No. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling your therapist, like, here's what I'm doing, here's what I have experienced, and you're being honest, and you're open to suggestions, you can heal. That thing can be healed. I don't want anybody to put me on a pedestal, I suppose, is what right. I'm saying. Right. And you're not alone in that, because most of the other people I've interviewed, there's there's kind of this, a little bit of resistance to taking on that mm-hmm. title. But what we often come to in conversation about it is that it's this tandem process, right? It's yeah. like you said, you are not the one imparting the healing to happen, but you are a conduit and you are a supporter in the healing process. Yes. I 100% agree with that. I mean, the patients that I work best with are ones who are able to take my suggestions outside of the clinic space, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're allergic to strawberries you can take a lot of antihistamines, but when you eat a strawberry, your body is still going to go into, it might not be anaphylaxis, you know, but you're going to have this allergic reaction. So you need to stop eating the strawberries. Then we can calm the immune system down. And it's sort of the the same thing to a degree with some of the chronic and short-term situations that people are in that need Mm -hmm. to be healed. Yeah, so I would, I I want to be a partner with my patients. I want to be an advocate for them. I will do anything for my patients if they are willing to help themselves. Right. But I can't do it all, and that's the thing that you're hearing: this resistance to being yeah the thing. Yeah. Well, and in in the therapy world, one of the big things you you learn in grad school is what it feels like to be working harder than the client. And it sounds like you, you know that very well, like what that might feel like to have somebody be like, okay, fix me. And I mean, it happens everywhere. Right. And I think that our, the way that we understand medicine and health is people, people expect that the doctor has all the answers, right? So you are supposed to be the one in authority. And I think that's also what's really special about Chinese medicine is it is about we're having a relationship. I'm getting to know you and your body and what's going to work for you rather than me just telling you this is what happens with this disease. Right. You know? For sure. And I have had other practitioners who, with more experience than me, tell me early on in my career, specifically this one woman, she lives in California now, but she said to me, her setup was you need to come in six times in a row when you first start coming 
And usually those are situations where somebody's got a problem. They're not just looking for sort of wellness, but they've got a, a problem that they want mm-hmm. to see a significant change in. And she said the reason why people don't see changes is because they don't come enough. So mm-hmm. that really helped me sort of see, okay, and I do expect people to see differences after treatment for sure. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, it is this relationship that happens over time where I see my patients more frequently than they see their medical doctors. Oh, almost, yeah. Unless they're going through IVF, but then they still don't see their medical doctor. They're seeing the nurses. But mm-hmm. they see me, you know, sometimes monthly, sometimes seasonally, but people don't see their doctors usually seasonally unless they're right. quite sick. So it works as you're saying a little bit differently, because it is this ongoing process where we're trying to either build up your system or help your system get rid of something it doesn't need, for lack of a better way of saying it. And I also, you know, when we were having the conversation about like the patient being able to meet you where you are, if we flip it for you being the one who needs to be healed. So let's kind of move into the wounded healer space, you know? Okay. So as far as your own healing journey. How do you connect with the term wounded healer, if at all? What thoughts do you have around that? Well, I'm not sure I really understand that term. I think everybody is wounded. Everybody has their thing, right? Yep. No, None of us are exempt from having to take care of our bodies or being exposed to infectious agents, you know, whether it's like a influenza B or, you know, a rhinovirus or whatever, you know, down the line. So I would say, of course, I am wounded. And I question mark. I know that sounded. I was like, I don't know how to say that. Well, here's here's what I will say. I do seek my own care, and so I I feel like one reason people who have respiratory things are percentage of my patients. Not a not the majority, probably like 30 or 40%. And I often impart to patients if I'm working on your hip and it's flu season, I'll say, you know what, if you start coming down with a cold, give me a call. I'll give you some herbs. You don't have to come in necessarily even for treatment. You know, we can work on other things besides hip pain here. Just Mm -hmm. so people know whether they choose to take me up on that or not is another story, but I want people to know it's a bigger, broader spectrum. I use my own experience of having chronic coughs to really, like, I understand what it's like to end up at the doctor's office or, you know, urgent care or whatever, because I'm sick. So I think it does help me understand some of my patients' issues. And I think Mm -hmm. that I've had uh, a woman that I work with who is, let's just call her a psychic. She's a She's a psychic. Yeah, I'm just going to, I mean, yes, she's, bring it. she could call herself. I mean, maybe she would call herself that, but she's like a spiritual healer. Yeah. She's told me, you know, you're going to attract certain types of patients because you've had certain experiences in your life that mm-hmm. are traumatic or difficult. So I do think that is true. I've had a lot of trauma in my life. I get people who've had a lot of trauma in their life. Mm-hmm. I get people who are dealing with chronic illness. I have a chronic illness. So I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of feel like sometimes those people do show up and in that way, maybe I'm a wounded healer. I just keep thinking of an, of a native American when I hear wounded healer. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's just the image that keeps popping up for me. So uh-huh. it's a hard thing for me probably to call myself. Right. Well, I mean, there's already so much baggage. I think that we talked about yeah. in, in the word healer and then 
you know, some of the reactions that I've gotten around the word wounded is that it's almost this like martyry sort of feeling yeah, that can come with yeah, it. And I think uh, it's if we decide to apply that term to ourselves, it's kind of like feminism taking back the C word. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. let's just turn it on its head. And wounded healer is now a good term. And we embrace, okay. you know what I mean? Like, I, so I think yeah. that it's all how you frame it. And you know, something else that we continue to come back to in these conversations that I've had is that it's just recognizing that we're all, we've all been hurt in some way and we're always hurting in some way, right? Because suffering is always going to happen. And it's the recognition and ownership of that suffering that helps us be better at what we do. And I think there is something that sounds kind of martyry or just off about what I connote wounded healer to mean. And here's the other thing is when people come to me, they don't need to know my stuff, you know, like my patients, when I'm with them, it's about them. It needs to be about Mm -hmm. them. It's their time. I'm there to work for them. You know, they employ me, but if it comes up that somebody has something, I might say to them, I have dealt with this before. I've taken that medication. Like they are confused or upset or Mm -hmm. so I might say to them, let me just share my experience around this. Or would you like to know my mm-hmm. experience or have some experience around it? And if it's going to be helpful to them, I'd be happy to do it. So yeah, in that way, I guess I can, <laughs> I, I, guess I, I guess I, I can be, I can be the wounded healer. Sure. I'm just going to, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and let's change it. Change right? the connotation. I mean, it's you don't, about to get right. Smarter. Right. It's just about, it's actually like, I'm a human is what it is. Exactly. Right. I don't want to put anything on my patients. You know, I have some very, very lovely, I mean, actually all my patients are amazing and they'll ask me like, how are you doing? How's this? How's that? Mm-hmm. I tell them a lot about my life, but I don't want, and I think this is a, something that probably happens in therapy, the technique of the distraction from them, <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Um, let me ask about you because I don't want to talk about me. But that is something that, because I, in all of my relationships, it's about connection for me. And I kind of demand a certain level of authenticity and realness and vulnerability with people that I trust with my healing, honestly. And that's yeah. something that I feel like you do a beautiful job of. Like you said, would my experience be helpful to you? If so, here it is, you know, and and you and I have been working together long enough that, you know, we kind of automatically like, oh, how's this going? How's that going? Where yeah. I feel less of like a barrier there at this point. Well, you're also very open and other people may or may not be. You know, I have some patients who suspect things are happening in their life and they're not really telling me. They need to come hang out with me then. <laughs> well, oh, <laughs> right? yes. Oh, yeah. But they probably sure. don't want to. And that's why they're seeing you instead. <laughs> Absolutely. That is yeah. the case a lot of times. And I do tell people this might be the next you know, have you thought about this? What about this? Either therapy or, you know, other modalities. Mm -hmm. And some people are open to it and other people aren't. And that's, that's okay. All I can do is what, of course, I can do. And I do appreciate having patients like you that are very open about what's going on in their life and their body and their health. That's Mm -hmm. probably the best opportunity for me to help somebody, but everybody's on their journey. So sometimes people will get there a year later. 
Right. I'm curious because I think you have a really good perspective on this. People don't necessarily view you as a doctor, but you're also not a therapist. So you're like, you're kind of in this in-between space where you probably see more people that need to be going to, you know, either they need to be seeing their medical physician for something that they're avoiding or they need to be seeing something emotional. What do you what do you think needs to shift for people to be more comfortable, like, I guess, maybe taking ownership of what's going on and seeking seeking treatment for the root cause rather than continuing that symptom chasing? Well, That's a good question. That's a big question. So you don't have to have all the answers, but I just like to philosophize about it. Let me philosophize. Well, I think one thing is our community system, society doesn't really encourage root cause looking. Lots of ads for medicine on TV and in newspapers and magazines, right? So you could just go to your doctor like, I have this symptom, can I have this drug? Sometimes that's great and sometimes it's not. One of the things that I feel really passionate about is more people seeking help for chronic Lyme disease. I think it's really, really, really underdiagnosed in in the world. It's a big knot of a medical problem because the testing is poor. There's a lot of controversy in Western medicine about if it is actually a real diagnosis, although Hmm. Johns Hopkins published a paper saying chronic Lyme disease is real. Bench scientists, like the people doing the work in labs, have been able to see that chronic Lyme disease through their research studies is actually a thing, but because of the slowness at which medical schools change their curriculum and, you know, what they teach their Hmm. students that's not caught up. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I was told that by a physician that I um, used to work with, Amy Weiler, who's a DO and she's really a smart functional medicine Mm -hmm. doctor. And I was asking her like, what is the big deal? Why is there all of this controversy? I mean, if people are obviously sick, why Mm -hmm. does it cause so much problem? And she said, well, there's this research and it's just not getting translated. The doctors don't have access to it. It's like maybe five, six, seven years. I mean, they might have access to it, but it's not integrated into kind of that Western diagnostic system. So I think that there's a couple of things, you know, is to encourage people that it is possible to get information on what a root cause, and that's going to give you a longer term solution. Right. And then maybe to like societally change the way we perceive treating our health. And I think it just really is a person dependent deal too, Sarah. I feel like some people have the stamina because it is, it does take stamina to seek that information or the, maybe it's like stamina plus drive. I don't really know how different those words are to get to it. And other people are just happy with my symptoms are better. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to cancer. You know, some people who get cancer don't change anything about their lifestyle. lifestyle. Some people who get cancer totally change everything about their lifestyle. Yeah. That sounds kind of like a give up answer. Not give up, but I I think it's possible that it changes. But I, you know, that's also what I want to offer people. If you want something different, you know, we can get to some of the root causes. Or I, I know I've seen doctors, you know, that I really like. I know of other doctors that I really like. So if you're not happy with your situation with your doctor, you don't feel like you're getting to the bottom of it, let's find somebody else. I think, you know, another, like I was kind of mentioning before, this kind of top-down idea that the doctor has the answers. And then if you're seeing a doctor and he's like, 
he, I'm gender, uh, look at me, genderizing. Um, (laughs) She, so if your doctor doesn't have an answer and they're just like, well, I don't have an answer and they don't say, but you can see other providers and find out. And that, you know, it was making me think about the field of addiction, obviously, because that's my specialty. And I tend to work with a lot of medical professionals and they talk about the lack of training about addiction. And we mm-hmm. also talk about the way that the the hierarchy works in the medical system. There's not a lot of room for not knowing something. A yep. lot of the doctors tell me that they're taught that they have to have an answer. And yeah. That obviously gets in the way sometimes is an ego thing and it's sometimes just a training thing. But the way that we do medicine and healthcare, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) That's my diagnosis for the whole thing. Ugh. It's a tired sound. Yeah. I think it's changing. You see more doctors going to the kind of concierge model, Mm -hmm. which is costly for patients. You know, I have heard many more doctors taking on that type of a practice model, as well as more doctors studying things like functional or integrative medicine, Mm -hmm. so that if they can't find the answer with the tools they have, there's more tools too. But I, yeah. God bless doctors, because that is so mm-hmm. much pressure. And, and then you have 15 minutes, right? Right, like, right. Oh. And it's it's interesting. The other thing, you know, I feel like I have insider info into what it's like to be a doctor, because I, I hear the doctors who are struggling, you know, tell me things. Yeah. And, and the other thing that's so different nowadays is the doctors coming out of school, their loans are astronomical. And so they're probably still getting paid as much as their counterparts who've been working for, you know, 30, 40 years, but their debt is so much higher. And the way that insurance reimbursement works, we know it caps you out. You don't have any choices about how much money you make. And it's, yeah, the whole system broke. It broke. You are not wrong. And I think I wouldn't want that job. No. I think that sounds really hard, especially because at some point, how do you take care of yourself when you Mm -hmm. have to see that many patients, right? To meet your Mm -hmm. quota or make enough money. Yeah. To do all of that. So I think, I mean, I hope it changes. I think the doctor as God model is really kind of outdated. That's a big thumbs down for me. Yeah. Thumbs down. Too much pressure. (laughs) Right. It's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too much. And part of it is because people just don't feel well. Right. When you feel well, you really want somebody to take care of you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they have to have the answer. That means that they can be compassionate or just good listeners or, you know, like active listening, all of that. Mm -hmm. Those tools are probably better than having an answer. I think so. I mean, that's kind of They need to go to therapy school. I know. Oh, and it's it's just so funny. The doctors that I do work with, they're like, this is going to help me so much with my patients. And I'm like, dude, I know. (laughs) You're welcome. Exactly. Yeah. We're teaching you how to talk to them. Yeah. I work with a doc who's in private practice. And a lot of what we talk about is how do you work with patients? How do you deal with difficult patients? And it's psychology. You have to know some of that stuff. For sure. Makes it so much better. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, I wanted yeah. to to start winding down the conversation by talking okay. about self-care because you, you'd you said that, you know, how do you take care of yourself if you're seeing so many people? Because you have a job that looks very similar, right? I mean, you get to spend more time than 15 minutes, but you're kind of running in and right. out and seeing a ton of people during the day. So how how is it that you take care of yourself? I see patients now three and a half days a week, which came out of having to move my office because of some water damage at my old office and I had to move really quickly. And I was seeing patients four days a week. And it's really better for me to have more time off because I am luckily so busy with patients. When I am not working, I have a practice coach too, who I forgot to mention, but Mm -hmm. she really helps me with things like taking lunch breaks, which is Mm -hmm. very, you know, like I've got to, I've got to eat during the day. I find that I don't eat a lot, which is better for me because if I have a big meal, I'll become tired, but I do need to have, you know, nutritious food during the day and take a break. And I have a spiritual life. So Mm -hmm. I try to like connect spiritually. I don't have a a religion that I practice, but I do have a spiritual life that really feeds me. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of support in my life. And so I find that to be really important for the for the balance. Because if I'm sick or stressed out, I don't think I'm going to be as good of a practitioner. And that's not fair to my patients. And it's not fair to myself. Mm-hmm. I have two dogs that I love that I spend a lot of time petting. I, Lucky I like to be outdoors. Bandit. Milo, bandit. Milo, Who's bandit. Ooh, there's some. <laughs> someone else has a Lucky and Bandit. Then because I totally made that. Okay, Lucky okay. and Milo. They're very maybe cute. Maybe I'm getting a bandit. They're so cute. But I, <gasps> yeah, I mean, maybe that was psychic. you might have predicted my next dog <laughs> that I love to have a bandit. That would be really great. But yeah, I take vacations and I go to places as much as I love adventure, but. I really often go to the water where I can just swim and be mm. relaxed. Chicago is a fast-paced place and my nature is to go 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 go. Yeah. But that is not good for me. So I have to really be conscious of let's slow down. I have a meditation practice which is very intermittent. Some days are better than others. Mm-hmm. I take suggestions if somebody says to me my spiritual guide, whatever we want to call her, healer, psychic said to me, you need to be in nature and you need to take time off. Mm -hmm. So I scheduled a day off on my calendar. And then I thought, oh, I could do my taxes that day. And she was like, no, (laughs) no. Right. Oh, I do the same. Do your taxes that day. Mm -hmm. Go to be in nature, make the specific intention to be in nature and to recharge. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to the dunes and just kind of hang out for a couple of hours. So I, there's a a wide variety of ways I take care of myself. I definitely get acupuncture. I went to the chiropractor today. I said, I go to multiple therapists. They help me a ton. Mm -hmm. I take supplements and herbs and I take pharmaceuticals too, but I also try to rest when it's appropriate. Yeah. And pay attention to my body, although it's not my inclination is important. I've realized that more over the couple, the past couple years. And I think part of it is, and I know you can relate to this too, as a business owner, there's literally always something to be done. And so I really could work 24 hours a day. And my body will tell me there are times I'm like, why can't I think I can't finish this email? And then instead of using that as like, well, I have to push harder and try harder, I realize my body's telling me I'm done. 
and yeah, I can't even read right now. I just need to sleep. You know, <laughs> I can't even um, basic breakdown. No, yeah, reading. yeah. I also find too, like the deeper that I get into the work that I do, the more self care I feel like I maybe not that I need, but the more that I feel like I'm called to, I need to just tally up how much money I spend on self-care and how much time I spend on self-care because it's pretty significant. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of taxes, but yes, <laughs> and part of it, right? Like, yeah. I got to get that information together. But what happened for me, and this is a little late in the conversation, but my body stopped me because I do have chronic Lyme disease and I didn't mm. know I had it for a long time. And I was just so tired. I was going to see all these different people. Nobody knew. Mm. And essentially I would work, come home and rest, Mm. you know, do something for an hour, come home and rest. And I had never had that happen to me before, Sarah. Mm. I had always had plenty of energy. I had been a runner and I can really make myself do a lot. And you are 100% Mm -hmm. right about owning your own business. That is the thing I did not realize when I went to acupuncture school was that this was, you know, going to mean owning my own business, which in many ways is a amazing experience. I love it, but it's also really hard. And until you do it, I don't think, I don't think people get it, you know, and I have that conversation with my spouse a lot who goes to work, has paid time off, has sick leave. You got a receptionist and you don't even have to think about her. You don't have to hire her. You don't have to fire her. She's there. Somebody Mm -hmm. else manages her. Somebody does her paycheck and she helps you with your patience. <laughs> you right, so, right. But you're right. I think it's a special class, like business owner, also in the medical field. It, I think it is a combination that's pretty intense. Because I have patients who are going to email me or maybe call me, you know. I have to really be conscious about when I'm answering those emails and yes. then taking time off of that too. Like you're saying, yep. you know, my body's telling me to sleep. The computer, internet, um, device addiction is, we're all susceptible. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good deep breath. (laughs) Telling myself, is there anything else that we didn't talk about today that you want to share? I don't think so. Okay. You are complete. Yay. Oh, (laughs) I really appreciate you telling me that. I feel complete now. That was a good talk. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I respect and love you so much. So I'm really, really happy we could do this. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview with Monique Wheeler. I hope you enjoyed that. To find more information about Monique, you can certainly Google her. You can also go to my website and find all of the fun links so that you can follow and support her business. So you can find us at headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, Liam O'Donnell for our awesome album art photo, and to Ben Mueller for theme music. You can find conversations with a wounded healer on Facebook and Twitter, along with my practice head heart therapy. So you can check the website for details. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.